0: Thank you. And we praise you in Jesus name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it feels good to be home. It's nice to travel the world, but uh, it's always good to be home no matter where you go to sleep in your own bed and uh, to be home. So uh, if you're new to uh, our space here, I am going to be sharing on a missions trip. I just got back from, I just got back from Uganda. I had a two day layover in Dubai. So um, I spent a couple of days in Dubai. I'll share that with you guys. Uh, it's very possible that Dubai is a, a city in the Bible. And so it's kind of cool to be there and check it out. Um, in, in the book of Revelation, there's a, there's a place that Antichrist sets up as the financial capital of the world. It's a place that he does business from and kind of works out of. And 20 years ago, if we were teaching through that chapter in Revelation, I'd probably look around the world and say, maybe New York City. It seems to be the financial hub of the world. But today, um, Dubai makes New York City look like a dump. Dubai is the most modern, wealthy, clean, safe city in the world. There's 200 countries that are represented there. Um, the, the world's only seven-star hotel is in Dubai. I don't know what you pay a night, like 30000 a night. And then when you get there, um, they give you a Lamborghini to drive around town. Yeah, they have that tennis court that sits out on top of the building. You've probably seen pictures of that. It's called the Burj Arab. And then in Dubai is also the world's tallest building called the Burj Khalifa, which I got some pictures of that. I'll show you guys. So that was just on the way. And then we went to Uganda where we have a mission there that's doing tons of stuff in Uganda. There's places where we start. is called Calvary Chapel in Tebe. It's a a church that Calvary Chapel started, uh, I think, in 2002. So they've been there for a while and they've grown. It's one of the larger Calvary chapels in Africa. And the sanctuary is about about the size of the front of our sanctuary without the back half. And they filled up two services. They do one in English and one in, um, with a translator. And so you'll get to see that. I want to share with you guys. One of the reasons why we, we went and we're specifically getting involved with Calvary Chapel in Tebby is because um, our sending church, Joshua Springs Chapel, is the host to... Um, Calvary Chapel worldwide, the Bible College for Calvary Chapel, CBI. It's called CBI, Calvary Bible Institute, which the hub is located in Joshua Tree, California. And uh, my father-in-law, my pastor, Lydia's dad, is the president over CBI. And so part of what I do along with him is, is he, I get to tag along with him, but we travel to the United States um, to all the pastor's conferences in different places promoting CBI and, and recruiting students and teachers and and sharing the vision for CBI, and so we are starting a CBI in Uganda, and so we were there to um, check the progress and 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 move that along. Pastor Gerald taught at Calvary Chapel in Tebe on Sunday. I taught on Wednesday. Uh, we got to do some sightseeing and we got to see the headwaters of the Nile River, which is super exciting. I'll share some of that with you guys. Share some of the mission that mission that we did while we we're there, ministry we did while we we're there. And, uh, first I'm going to start with the video. I'm going to talk through it a little bit. So I'm going to probably, uh, we'll see how, uh, how frustrated Brian gets with me by the time this is over when I have to have him stop and play and stop and play. But let's, uh, let's try to see how this goes. So here's the video.
1: How's everybody How Are you doing Chris? All right. We're on the way to the farm where the Bible College is going to be and built. Pastor Isaac, the, the other one
0: was Pastor Pat, our Pastor he's an elder at the church. So, what's that? The lake was right in front of that
2: small dock where the birds are. Now how the winter was before.
1: So you can see we're getting close to the farm tree? where Back the down Bible down College is going to be. Little. There's our our beautiful uh, big tree.
2: That's the agenda.
1: So here we are. This is the the farm, and the water is way All right, higher that one than even right there.
0: some of it. I can just talk through as it's playing, but okay. So, really quickly, where we are right now in the water in Lake Victoria. It's the second largest lake in the world. It's the largest lake in Africa, and so the the Calvary Chapel in Entebbe is in the city of Entebbe, and Entebbe is a is the second largest city in Africa and um, next to Kampala. And Kampala is about 45 minutes away, and Kampala is a large city. Um, But Entebbe is super nice. The airport is there. The church is really close to the airport. Um, Everything is simpler in Entebbe. Kampala is, have you ever seen those traffic videos? I think I got a little bit of it where it's like, there's like a six-way traffic stop, and there's no lights, and nobody stops, and everybody all goes at the same time. I, 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 I did that and survived. Like, I could never, never, none of us, I promise you, you would never be able to drive in Kampala, Africa, because you just wouldn't last a mile unless you grew up there and you knew how to do this system because you don't stop. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, cars are coming from every direction and nobody's stopping and nobody's hitting each other. Wow. So, in Entebbe, where the, where the church is, they've been in like a, an established ministry. There's a school there, there's a medical facility there. And then um, they, they bought a piece of property at seven, uh, seven and a half acres right on the other side. So, you have to get in a boat to go to the other side. We call it the farm. And this is, these buildings that you see have been used over the years for medical teams. They do island ministries where they come to these places, they stay there, and then from there they have islands on Lake Victoria that are as big as cities that have cars on them, and and but yet they they don't have tons of ministry and medical stuff. They do um, island ministries and, and medical teams, and different people have been using these facilities to kind of springboard off to some of these island ministries. Well, we're gonna we're gonna change this this place into the Bible College where we'll house the Bible College. Now the vision that we have. Is to raise up Ugandans. Now, Calvary Chapel. Over the years, we've done lots of missions, and you know, the, the the quick history of Calvary Chapel is a guy by the name of Pastor Chuck Smith. In about 1965, pastored a church of 25 people called Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California, and then by um, 1994, Calvary Chapel was the largest evangelical church in the United States, and and the model was simple. Pastor Chuck had five guys that he taught in his living room five nights a week and raised up, and then he sent them out to to plant churches, just basically simply teaching the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Those five guys, John Corson, Skip Heidsit, Greg Laurie, uh, Rao Reese, um, all went out to different places and cities, and now those are all the biggest churches, at, at times were the biggest churches in, in the United States, um, probably have been passed now with some of the new model churches that are coming up. But then those guys would raise up men in their churches in different cities and send them out and send them out. And this model just kind of com- just it was it was repeatable. And what Chuck did was simple. If you hear Pastor Chuck Smith teach, you might say, oh, man, that wasn't so, you know, fascinating. Anybody could do that. Well, that was the idea. When Pastor Chuck taught, it was it, it was it was it was simple enough that you felt like you could do it. He just taught through the, ver- the, the Bible. You know, they say in Calvary Chapel, like if you're a Calvary Chapel pastor, you read a verse and then you say all you know about the chapter. I'm sorry, all you know about that verse. And then when you run out of things to say, you just read the next verse. And you have the whole Bible so you can get through anything, right? If I just don't know what else to say, I just read the next verse. You know, I'll say all I know about that verse. That's how Raul Reese was able to teach through the whole Bible in an hour. <laughs> but, so, um, so, anyways, what what Calvary Chapel did as, as we grew is we, we wanted to be missions-minded. Now, we really believe that Um, In the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, I shared this last week when I was teaching, is that um, the the one church that that Jesus has no negative to say about, we want to follow that church. We want to say, what did God say that was good in there? We want to model our church after the church of Philadelphia. Well, one of the things that was a high mark to them was that was the church that was missions-minded. They were the church that was given an open door, and they went. And so Calvary Chapel in the early days said that as a church, we want to be missions-minded. And so to be missional as a church for you and I, it's multifaceted. It doesn't just mean traveling around the world to Uganda to share the gospel. It means um, that every one of us is on mission. And and for you to be a, a Christ follower that's on mission, that means that simply that you just understand that it, it's part of your responsibility to share the gospel with people. It's not good enough just that you're going to heaven and everybody else can go to hell. And, and, and having a burden, now that, that burden creates a little bit of a a problem for us, right? Because sometimes the people in our circles, sometimes the people around us say, oh, you Christians, you're always trying to push your faith on everybody else. But what they don't understand is that we just live with a burden that people that don't know Jesus are going to go to hell and we don't want to see anybody go to hell and so we'd you know, rather, rather tell them. You know, the worst thing would be for somebody in your life that you know personally to stand before God one day and not know Jesus and not be admitted to heaven and, and then say to you, why didn't you tell me? You knew all along, and you never shared with me. So we have this this, this this burden and this vision to be mission-minded. Now, mission-minded, again, means that we start in our own family. That, that our, your first mission is to your kids and to your wife, to your husband, to your family. Then to your extended family. And then to um, your neighbors and the people you work with. And, and on and on and on as that goes out. Jesus laid out the model that Calvary Chapel followed. And He said to the disciples when they first started and the Holy Spirit was poured out, Um, Jerusalem, He said to to do ministry in Jerusalem and Judea, which was the next area around it, and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world as we go out. So again, as Calvary Chapel began to send missionaries out in the world, we were sending Americans to plant churches all over the world wherever God was calling us. And um, I think you'd probably find a Calvary Chapel in any corner of the world that you went to today. And, And what we found over the last 20 years was that Americans just don't do as good of a job on the mission field as the people that grew up there and are from there and live there, right? The indigenous people. And and sometimes, unfortunately, Americans cause more problems on the missions field than than we do good because we just... You can never duplicate what somebody who knows the language and knows the culture. And so, like with Pastor Gerald and his missions plan and what... And and I I don't know if everybody is kind of switching, flipping this way, but I know that the, the, the culture is now more... Let's, let's stop trying to send Americans to, do, to be full-time pastors and missionaries. Um, rather, let's send them to raise up indigenous people to do the work of the ministry. And it's just a better model. You know, we have a, a, a particular family, and they have seven kids, and they're full-time missionaries in Russia. And no matter what, you talk to, I'm talking to Pastor Isaac, the pastor at Calvary Chapel in Tevi. That's, that's his elder, that's Patrick that you're looking at right now. The guy on the other side of the boat, you'll see him a lot. That's Pastor, that's Pastor Isaac, amazing, amazing guy. And and he said, yeah, the thing with Americans is eventually they want to go home for furlough. You just want to, and, and this family that we have, American family who's doing ministry in Russia, when they come home, it's $18,000 just to come home with plane tickets, to bring this family home and go back. You know what you could do with $18,000 with somebody indigenous than that? in that place and raising them up. So our vision in Uganda, our vision for Calvary Chapel Bible Institute is that we want to go and we want, um, you know, our pastors and our leaders and people to go there and visit and teach the Bible. But we're training up Ugandans to do the work. And then, you know, the, you'll, you'll meet a young man. He's in the boat as well. His name is um, Pastor Andrew. He's 33 years old. He looks like he's 15. When I first met him, I said, I said, oh I said, what grade are you in? Welcome to Africa, Pastor Chris. He said, I'm 33, I'm married, got three kids. I said, well, the compliment, man, you look amazing. <laughs> you, you look so young. He said, I know, Pastor Chris. He said, I get it all the time. Because Isaac showed up at the airport with him. I thought it was Isaac's son. I'm like, oh, hey, Andrew, how great are you? <laughs> pastor Chris, that's my assistant pastor. I was like, oh. Um, but that young man, Andrews. 33 years old, Pastor Isaac raised him up, Ugandan. You know, to raise up 10 Andrews could do the work of 100 Americans that were there full-time. And, and, and that, that vision is really powerful to raise up indigenous people. We're not trying to put Americans full-time on the missions field, um, trying to raise up Ugandan. So anyways, this place. So where we are right now, a year, uh, a year ago was dry land. Um, Lake Victoria has had epic flooding that has just completely devastated the areas around, all around Lake Victoria in Uganda. Lake Victoria touches um, three African countries Uganda, Kenya, and Tanzania. And so, um, and the flooding has been epic. So, the Bible College right now is completely underwater. This, the, where we are now, we've already passed where the old dock used to be where you would dock the boat. And last time Pastor Gerald was there, you walked from here to where we are right now on dry land. So, until the flooding goes down, we're, we're having to do a lot of work, bring tractors in and, and try to fix the Bible college in order to get it livable so we can start raising up um, Ugandan students and, and training them. And then once the Bible college is up and running, it'll be a great place for us to bring small, small missions teams to go in, spend our weekdays at the Bible college, pouring into the Ugandan students, training them, teaching them how to teach the Bible. So, okay, go ahead.
1: So here's the retaining wall that's being built. Again, this is so much different than it was the last time I was here with the water coming clear up here. You can see how they built the retaining wall going down. And the idea is to backfill all this with dirt and save these buildings. So this is the dormitory building. One half of it's for guys and one half of it's for girls. So here's another picture of the retaining wall being built, the dirt that they're bringing in. Here's the bathroom building, that first house that we were in, and the dormitories. This guy's been moving this dirt by hand with a wheelbarrow. He's amazing.
0: That's one of the construction workers, shovel by shovel into a wheelbarrow, moving 50 yards of dirt.
1: Here's some more baby
0: pigs. Part of the vision at the Bible College is for it to be self-sustaining. So they'll raise pigs, they'll farm, they'll do things the students will. So they'll be learning the Bible and they'll also be learning um, trades. Kind of tree. Now, my, Pastor Gerald is absolutely fascinated with this tree right here. So you're going to see you're it like 47 times. I can't tell you how much he's... Oh, my tree, my tree. It, hold, hold it one sec. Just one sec. Um, It's a funny story, but it's a true story. So the other pastor that's really involved in this mission is a pastor out of San Jose Calvary Chapel. His name is Pastor Craig. Pastor Craig is the grandson to... Oh, I'll tell you in a second. uh, uh, Alan Redpath. And so Alan Redpath's son was was a missionary in Uganda. Pastor Craig, who's the grandson to Alan Redpath, grew up there, and so he's really involved. So they bought that tree, but they don't own the land. That's Africa. All just when you buy land there's tenants, so you can own the land, but the tenant still has right to the land, and then you've got to buy the tenant out or negotiate with the tenant to get him off to keep to get your land so it's, it's weird, but so they own the tree, we own the tree, but not the land that it's on. so I don't know how that works that's all right, go ahead.
1: And the road that goes down the hauling the dirt So here's where we're getting the dirt from. Which is this high ground, so eventually buildings can be up here. This is the parsonage, and this is the church back here. We're oh, going to put, put walls on the church, and that will double not only for the church, but as a classroom for the Bible college. Again, spanning around, and here's my favorite tree <laughs> in Africa. <laughs> Look how beautiful oh, this we know And then coming back around to the road going down. So this is Pastor Eddie. He pastors the church here, and he's getting married in June. (laughs) And again, here's a great view of that tree. Here's, Here's Pastor Eddie, and they store all the equipment for their Sunday services in here, their worship. So here we are at the farm, and again, the buildings that we're reclaiming by hauling in all this dirt.
0: That's Pastor Andy, this is you know, where we're
1: going to begin. So here we are headed back to the shore, and the church is right here on the shore, and then up at the very top here is the Presidential Palace here in Tevi. So here you can see Calvary Chapel in Tevi. here that we've just come across so this right here is the church dock you used to be able to walk right to it and obviously the building was completely out so the yellow building in the background there is going to have to be torn down this nice looking building jeremy camp built that it's now a medical clinic and part of the church
3: That's a typical
0: street in Africa. Everywhere I went in Africa, that's the way it looks. They have those motorcycles that are taxis. They call them Bora Bora's.
1: So here is the half of the clinic uh, that Jeremy Camp built. The other half is on the other side. And again, right here at Lake Victoria. Here's the medical clinic.
0: They just gave birth to their second, their second baby, baby at the medical clinic at Chapel.
1: So here's the market area
3: that
1: is uh, by the church. So here's the church building.
0: From the street Look at all the
1: green bananas that are here.
0: So these guys have nothing to do with Calvary Chapel, but Pastor Isaac, to make peace with the neighbors, he let some of the people set up shop right in front of the church and do their business, be a good neighbor. The
1: grounds here at Calvary Chapel in Tebby.
0: That's the entrance, the driveway. When we went, those are the three wives, Pastor Isaac, Pastor Andrew, and, pa- and Patrick, and they, they prayed for us while we were over in the island.
1: The sun's setting on Lake Victoria. So the church has a soccer team. The church's team is black.
0: So I got a good story about this soccer team. Remember this soccer team. They're called footballers over there. We don't. I, I said soccer a couple times. They look at me like... Hi, everyone.
2: Uh, this is Pastor Isaac here at Calvary Chapel TV, standing right in front of Pastor Gerald Hagman. And Chris, who are already here, I just want to say hi to you guys at Joshua Springs uh, and you guys at Calvary Towela Springs, we thank you so much for allowing <laughs> these gentlemen to be here today. We bless you this Sunday. We are ready for the word. Pastor Jero is going to share. God bless you. Love you all. Thank you. Great. All right. So here I'm um, with Chris, uh, the man from Joshua Toll. Tewinor Springs. Willow Springs. <laughs> and so right now we are standing in the podrango of our primary school. Uh, this is... Uh, Calvary, Chapel, you cool won't see, you will not uh, see churches uh, like
0: this in Africa. Uh, this is pretty established, uh, and there on are the some, way, but not many. This one's this room really room nice.
2: We have also extra classrooms from uh, primary, primary one up to, I mean, grade one to grade seven. And so upstairs we have the library and uh, grade seven classrooms, and then on the other side we have the computer lab. And so we are trying to use this to reach out the community by having children. That's the overflow seating. They pay around $40 a town and come of three months. And we only allow them to come and feed and be taught. And then what the church does is to pay the teachers their salaries and then the parents can have their children here learn. So it is a model uh, Christian school in this country and in this community where we allow children to come in and have a good education at a highly subsidized cost so that they can benefit in a good environment to be able to become future Christians in the country.
1: So here we are at uh, Calvary Chapel in Tebby. And if you notice, on their sign here, have Calvary Bible Institute, as well as all their other ministries that they do here. It's a truly amazing place here. And uh, here is the city out in front
2: all right so right now we are standing in front of our small cafe this is cafe even calvary uh, chapel Chapel in africa
0: has a cafe uh,
2: tea and anything else that you want especially the african known rolex rolex is not a watch here it is actually a chapati or tortilla rolled up it's a wrap and it's an African style that they do it for you. It's in the, so there for the we go. We got both, Chris. Yeah. So right it. now, we have so many things. With you can buy t-shirts. You can buy cups. And whatever you, you make here, a uh, process that the church uses to do some activities in this place. So when you're here, you're always enjoy the, uh, the coffee that you love so much. God bless you. Thank you. So
0: Different on what we did this morning. This Sunday morning. It's first service. First service they do um, in English only. Second service they uh, teach to an interpreter. That's L9, a worship pastor on the right there. And see, these on the table outside. The songs were in English, and some of them were in Uganda, their native tongue. Get enough good video of what traffic's like in Kampala. This is me hanging the video out the out the side of the van, but yeah, that's Kampala.
1: Okay, here you are.
0: Now we're at Pastor Isaac's house is. for dinner. He yeah. had us over for dinner, and he's gonna so, uh, introduce his family to us. Uh,
2: this is uh, Pastor Isaac's home. We are here, and uh, I have a number of kids in this house, uh, both our biological kids and the kids God has given us in the Lord. And so our beginning is Ransom, Ransom is three years old Little yeah. yeah. oh, yeah. boy, yeah. my anthem uh, those, those are his two biological Grace. kids
0: She yeah. was so beautiful Grace, yeah. I fell in love with her
3: yeah. I was missing Gabrielle And so yeah. I I got to hug little Grace yeah. 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 Okay, right yeah. now, okay. So
2: this is Francis uh, Francis Magazine, the word Magazine is wisdom in English. So he has finished senior four. And then Cedric is a son also to members of our church. He also finished grade seven. He's waiting to go to senior one. Uh, my sister in law, uh, Sharon, she stays with us and uh, helps us here in many things. Then, of course, my wife is right here, Perina, as you can see. And then uh, well, this is my brother in law. He's Regan. He's also staying with us. He's in senior four. He's on holiday. And then we have, of course, other kids who are in school right now when the schools opened up after COVID. Uh, our first kid, the boy, uh, our Prince, is at school. He's 13. And then we have Ian, the friend of Prince, who also brought in as a son in the Lord. He's also in senior one in school. We have two other girls Naume, she's also in. Senior three in the school, far away. Here we have another girl called Helen. She's in senior five, far away, in the So, <laughs> big family. Yay. All right.
1: Great Yes, that was awesome. All yeah. right. God bless. Thank, you. Right. Thank, you. Right. Thank you.
0: Okay, stop right here. One second. So, um, of all those people that Pastor Isaac just introduced, the two littlest ones are his only biological kids. Of all the people that are under his care, 16 people. Now, School in Africa is boarding school. That's normal school. So when he says the kids are off in school, it's actually boarding school. So they, they go away for three months to school, and then they, they do semesters. So you pay for your kids, if you can afford it, you pay for your kids to go um, to school per semester. So they go, then they have these breaks. So he was when he said the one kid was on holiday, he's in between semesters at his school. Senior one would be like our seventh grade. Senior two would be eighth grade. Senior three So they basically, starting in seventh grade to to twelfth grade, they they just call it senior one, two, three, four, five, and six. Their senior six would be our our senior in high school. And so, um, the kids that weren't there, they were in school, which means boarding school, where you live there, you stay there, you eat there, you study there. And so, again, um, Isaac is by the grace of God has taken in up to sixteen total people and um, that he takes care of. So. Yeah. If this was regular mud like anywhere else in the world, there's no way you can even function. No. That's mud road. That's a dirt road. When we had the fat, to pass that, part of it started caving in on my side. And I was like, <laughs> this is a resort. It's called, uh, Darrell, b will explain in a, a minute, but, roof. uh, oh, this is my videocaping. But it's done differently than the one at the Bible college. Uh. Maybe you'll notice the difference. And then here is some certain types of stone we could build with. We just went to visit this place to get some ideas for the Bible college. Malachi, it's called. Some rich Rabbit guy from page. Switzerland moved there and built this. You'll see him, I think, in the video. He married an African and he's got like 15 children. Malachi, there's another part of the Red River. This red clay is actually a blessing from God. Life wouldn't exist without it because of the rain. If it turned to like American mud, everything would sink. You wouldn't travel. But this red clay, it's hard and it repels the water and it doesn't doesn't sink like mud. It's just different.
1: Here's some ideas for what we want to do over at the Bible College for walkways.
2: Yeah. These are all that guy's
0: kids.
1: We're still in Malachi here. We're getting ideas. Look how cool all this is.
0: Those are places you can rent to stay. Maybe I didn't show that video.
3: Alright, next time.
2: Yes, hi everybody. Uh, it's a blessing once again to come to you. This is Pastor Ronald Chiman from Uganda. Uh, it's a blessing uh, that uh, God has been so faithful. He has provided for us a projector. We have been doing a Jesus filling outreaches, and we thank God for the souls that have come to Christ. We are so grateful and uh, it's a blessing. Uh, thanks be to God and to all people who have supported. Uh, pastor Chooks, uh, Pastor Dave, and uh, we are so grateful for uh, the men of God who have delivered to us this projector. May God richly bless you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name.
0: All right, pause right Amen. there. Let me tell you about this guy really quick. So Pastor Dave is the pastor at Calvary Chapel, Gooding, Idaho. He's the one that's, that's overseeing the Philippines trip that I told you guys about that we were going to go on. That's Pastor Dave. Him and a guy named Pastor Chuck who met at Joshua Springs. A long time ago, I've been all over the world doing um, the Jesus Film ministry, and I'm just going to give a plug for that, because it's very effective missions, and it's something that we'll probably, as we go out in missions, want to be a part of. And so the Jesus Film, you bring this in there as the projector, the screen, and, and the Jesus Film is done in every language in the world, I'm pretty sure. And then you go up, you set it up in villages, and, and people come, they watch the Jesus Film, and many, many, many souls have come to Christ through the Jesus Film ministry around the world. It's, it's effective ministry. Well, about five years ago, Dave and Chuck were in this area in Uganda, and they met this pastor, and, and, and they did the Jesus Film outreach with him. And when they left, they left him all of the equipment, and he began to go out and take the Jesus Film ministry into remote places. And over the last five years, he's completely wore out that projector. He's used it so many times. And so so Pastor Chuck at Joshua Springs sent with Gerald this box right here. And we had to meet up with this guy and we're calling him on the phone and he's in public transport anyways. So we met up with him to give him the projector that um, Dave and Chuck equipped him with five years ago. And he's doing a good work with this Jesus film ministry, which is super effective uh, all around the world.
2: Here we are, we are at the eastern bank of the river Nile, and over there is the river Nile, that's the world's longest river. And this river is running up to the Mediterranean Sea, whereby it is through, uh, passing through Uganda, uh, southern Sudan, northern Sudan, and then finally Egypt up to the Mediterranean Sea. So this river is taking a period of three months. So the point of now starts is at Nusa Springs. So you're going to be able to see the Nusa Springs and then see how deep Victoria is coming in between the Nile. So as it runs, it is flowing for a, car, a coverage of 6,400 kilometers. Like I told you, it is taking three months period, doesn't it? Days, and this river flows northwards. So this is the southern, and then the side is the, uh, another edge as well. Thank you. Yeah.
1: So here we are at the source of the Nile.
0: That's where the so Nile this comes come where it right, right out of the
1: earth, and flows all the, way going north, the all the way to the Mediterranean Sea, where it touches
0: Israel and Greece and Rome this, and Turkey spiders and. spiders in the trees?
3: The world's longest
0: river, the Nile. The Nile is all over the Bible, yeah. the Nile River. Yeah. That's the one that Moses turned to red, the Nile River, turned to blood.
2: Have you ever heard about uh, what they call a different fall? This is the point where it's the fall. From that drop, that's you know, because of the dam Yes, because of the dam the fall is a Yes, but now it's going on. The water is moving fast. Here we are at the headwaters
3: of the
1: Nile.
0: Choice. Okay, here's Chris and Isaac. Pastor Gerald has just made a pretty yeah. uh, big claim, so we said we gotta get it on video. Yeah. So here we go. This is Pastor Gerald's request from himself yeah. on video, and Pastor Isaac and I are gonna prove it to you. Yeah. That way, there's no question about
1: it. If the Lord tarries and I die, I want cremated, and I want my ashes poured here at the headwaters of the Nile, to where they reach all of Africa. And
2: go into
0: the Mediterranean state. <laughs> He's
3: serious
0: too. Hold it right there for a second. Lydia told me her dad called her and he was telling her this story. And she's like, yeah, my dad was serious about that ashes thing. And. Um, and she said, I think I want you to do the same thing. She said, but I think I want you to have your ashes dumped in Kauai. <laughs> and I need to go for like a week to have them dumped. So, so this is uh, Wednesday night now. This is the Wednesday night service. Pastor Gerald taught on Sunday. I taught on Wednesday, so this is some clips from the Wednesday night service. I said that message before, huh? Did an altar call, and seven guys came up to ask Jesus in their hearts. Seven guys from the soccer team, football club. soccer coach, we, uh, you guys bought that soccer team all new uniforms and cleats.
3: So some of the money that we got, we bought to say a few words.
0: again, I want to thank you guys. I, got, I think something exciting to share with you. But uh, one of the things that we did was we they we, they have this this football club and they have a senior team, a junior team and a senior team. And they have 23 players, I think, 11 and 11. And one has 12. And so Pastor Isaac was saying that these young men, these teenagers around um, the church, he said they were always harassing him and abusing him. And they were, you know, making all the church events difficult and one of these young men had these big, mean dogs, and he said they would do an outreach in the park, and he said these kids would show up, and the one kid with the dogs, he'd keep his dogs in the, like the play area so they couldn't use it, the kids couldn't go in there, and they'd yell at him and curse at him when, um, when they were doing ministry, these local kids, a bunch of thugs. and So what Isaac did was he started a soccer team, a football team, um, a church football team, and he recruited all these guys who loved soccer to be on his team and he gave them uniforms and cleats and balls and a coach and organized them. And they became friends with the church and stopped, you know, fighting and being antagonistic all the time. And so they've been pouring into these kids. And so before we got there, the kids were, the teams needed new uniforms and new, new, they called. So just quick foreign soccer lesson. The field is not called a field. It's called a pitch. And the, and the, the cleats are not called cleats. They're called boots. And so we bought new boots and new uniforms, and Isaac has a place there locally where they, they take care of the pitch, and they've been, they've been ministering to these young men. So um, they, they told Pastor Isaac a while ago that they needed new equipment, and Pastor Isaac said, well, we don't have any money, I don't know, but I want to tell you guys God's going to provide, God's going to provide, God's going to provide. And then, and then I showed up, and Isaac was telling me the story, and I said, hey, let's go shopping, because I happen to have some money that my church gave to bless, bless you guys, and this would be a great way to do it. So let's go buy – so we went, and it cost us like $700 um, to to buy two sets of uniforms for both teams and all new boots for both teams, a couple new uh, game balls that were a little more expensive, and then about four or five practice balls. So they invited all of the uh, football clubs to come out Wednesday night so we could present them all their new uniforms and their stuff, and that's what you guys saw me doing. Well, um, the the one young man who had the dogs, after he started playing soccer for the the church team – he wouldn't come around Pastor Isaac because he thought that he hated him and stuff. And, and Pastor Isaac said, no, man, I love you. It's okay. I forgive you. Like, I'm not mad at you. I'm glad you're here and you're part of our club. And um, when I gave the altar call, you know, and when, I, when I give an altar call, I'm usually pretty like, 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 don't fake it. Don't come up here just because somebody else is coming up here. Unless you mean this, unless you're sincere and you really want to give your life to Jesus Christ um, and become a Christ follower and become born again and repent of your sins, don't come. And so I'm giving this thing, like, you know, I'm, t- I'm trying to talk them out of coming, you know. And, and this one young man, he had this cool hairdo kind of thing going on. And um, he, he's taller than everybody. He's built. He's, he's really, really probably the best player on the team. And, and I asked him first to raise their hand. And, and everybody raised their hand. And he raised two. He was like, one wasn't good enough. And then I was starting to give the altar call. And I was starting to say, if God is speaking to your heart, come. I want you to Come. Right now, Jesus never called anybody privately. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Get out of your seat and walk up here, and we're going to pray for you to receive Jesus in your heart. Before I even said, okay, let's come, he's up out of his seat and coming down the center aisle. And I'm like, okay, all right, I guess he's ready. Anybody else want to come, come. And he just got God. He was, he was a leader, obviously. And, and he was already ready before I even gave the altar call to come and give his life to Jesus. Then one of the other young, young men who came up, Right when church was over, he, he ran to Pastor Isaac, and it was the kid with the dogs, and he wanted to tell Pastor Isaac that he asked Jesus in his heart tonight and became born again. So, the really cool uh, story of just uh, what God did. So, um, And then the other part of the news is, while we were in Kampala, the kind of towards the end of the trip, Pastor Isaac has a church vehicle that's old, it's like from the 85 or something, and He's been, they just fix it, and they make it run, and um, the air conditioning still works, so I was able to survive a little bit while I was there um, in this, and it broke down in the middle of traffic in Kampala um, one day when we were we were traveling, and so by the grace of God, we were able to, to get it off, and Isaac got on the phone, and his mechanic happened to be close enough that he came, and he was able to put a Band-Aid on it so that we could get back to Entebbe, and, and then once we got back to Entebbe, they took it to the shop, and the next day it was down, we walked kind of the next day, because where we stayed was close to the church, and then the following day was day to come home, and the the van was again fixed and up and running, but through that process, God put it on my heart that we should buy Pastor Isaac a new car, so what we did was, we gave him $15,000 for a new car, yeah, so we we started shopping for a car, we had like a half an afternoon, and um, I had been praying, I talked to Pastor Gerald, and um, and, and kind of was like, this is what I feel like God's putting on my heart. I said, we have this savings account where we sold the property and there's about 16,000 in there right now. I want to commit 15. Um, and, and just, you know, and so then when we, we started shopping, we realized that 15 wasn't going to be enough. So I talked pops out of the other 10. <laughs> so he, he put in 10 more and we were able to give 25,000 and I'll show you the picture. Isaac found a really cool car. All, the thing about cars in, in, in Uganda and probably all over Africa. They don't have new cars. There's no new dealerships. Most of the cars are refurbished or they're, you know, they're, they're, and they're all the same. There's like three or four different models. And in all those motorcycles, you'll see thousands of motorcycles and not a two of them were different. Every motorcycle in the entire week that I was there was the same exact, it says boxer on the side. It's the same engine, the same motorcycle, that they sell there, and it's all you can get there. The cars are pretty similar. There's probably about six different choices of cars. There's no such thing as a 2020, 2021. Um, you know, even to buy a brand new car, you're looking at like a 05 and, and Toyotas because they run forever. And so these Toyotas will come from Japan, they'll come from China, and then they ship them into Uganda after they've used them for 15 years. And they're still in pretty good shape, they still got low miles. And so the car we, we ended up buying was like a 2005 Toyota Land Cruiser. That one time was really nice, but now it had like 100,000 miles on it. But for, you know, for their standards, it was, it was a really nice car, and, and everything is good on it. You'll see it in the picture. It's really nice. But now when, when teams come, when pastors come, the church and Pastor Isaac has a way, which is completely necessary to do ministry there, that he has a nice way to be able to travel and bring people. So huge blessings. So the soccer uniforms and the, and, and the vehicle, and that's all from you guys. So again, when you get to heaven one day, and some Ugandan comes up to you and says, thank you for sharing Jesus with me. And you go, oh, well, who are you? Like, I'm from Uganda. And when you were there, you shared Jesus with me. And you say to them, well, I was never in Uganda. They say, oh, I know. Chris went for you. You know, that's the way the gospel works. Those that send and those that go share in the spoils. And so that's a part of all of our all of our fruit and rewards that um, for a part of our church. So this is um, when I first left uh, here in twilla I landed in Dubai. This is the hotel I stayed in, Kempinski. It was really nice. It was about 170 bucks a night, which was I could have found something really cheap, but 170 wasn't bad for a really nice hotel. So this is where I stayed uh, while I was in uh, Dubai. So I got a couple of pictures here. Have you guys heard that they have an indoor ski resort in Dubai Mall? You can ski in the middle of the desert. So this is Ski Dubai. They have a bunch of packages. This is actually out of my hotel room. That's the ski slope. That's what it looks like from outside. You see the angled building there that you go to the top. There's a lift that takes you to the top. You can ski, ski or snowboard down. And so Dubai, because of their opulence in the middle of the desert, um, probably 1,000 miles away from anywhere it really snows, they just built a ski slope right indoors. This is the, the, where I would have lunch in the morning at the hotel, or I'm sorry, breakfast in the morning at the hotel. So that's a little patio where I was out having breakfast. This is the Burj Khalifa, the world's tallest building. I've actually been in both of the world's tallest building and the second tallest. It used to be the tallest building until the Burj was built, but that that's in Taipei, Taiwan. It's called the 101 and uh, happened to be in, in Taiwan a few years ago and was able to go in there. And so they have several levels. There you can go. I'm on level 146 right here taking pictures out the window. They go to 158 and then like 170 that you can go to. Every, everyone had a price. I'm like, 146 is good enough. I'll get the... Idea from there, save a few bucks. So this, this again, these are pictures out the window of the. You know, these are skyscrapers that I'm looking down on, and I'm not even. I'm probably three quarters of the way up. This is a one of the attractions in Dubai. It's called the Square. You can take it up. It's kind of like the Arch in Kansas, uh, in Missouri, in St. Louis, where you kind of go up the top and you can look. It's like that. And you can go up the top and look out and views from the uh, from the uh, Square. This is an indoor um, uh, in the Dubai Mall. It's a uh, uh, aquarium, the Dubai Aquarium. So this is kind of the tunnel you walk through.
3: There was some girl in there doing all these selfies, and I was trying to not get her
0: in the video, and so I'm like... Guys will never believe this fish I've seen in this aquarium. I've never seen anything like it. It's the strangest, biggest fish I've ever seen. You'll see it in a minute. These are some of the fish I've seen. Wait till you see this fish that I, I, I couldn't believe it. I had to take a picture of it. There, look at that. What is that thing? This is in the mall, Dubai Mall, um, just a kind of famous. Sculpture thing, waterfall with these divers on the outside. So I just shared that with you guys. Next one, Take another picture of the same thing. Um, just kind of gives you a picture of the opulence. This was last day. I was getting ready to fly to Uganda. I was having my last breakfast. You see my little piece of my suitcase there. I was ready to go. Um, then I think that's, oh, this is a Joshua tree in the middle of Dubai. And the reason, you know, our, our sending church, Gerald church is in, in Joshua tree. These, these trees only grow in one place in the world. So I thought that was kind of cool that there was a Joshua tree right in the middle of freeway on Dubai. Ladies, this is for you. This is a dress made out of solid gold. Anybody? So they have two um, markets in Dubai that are attractions that I got to visit. One is called the Gold Souk and one is called the Spice Souk. So out on the table, I have some, um, some tea from the Spice Souk and the, the root of like what they make Vicks Vapor Rub with. You heat it up in hot water or on like a stone and you inhale it and it's like bath salts. So that that's at the spice soup there. These are bracelets. The camera's turned the wrong way on that picture, but these are all the bracelets that gold in this place. All The world's largest gold ring. How about some necklaces, ladies? Lydia already picked out the one she wants. I showed her that. Um, oh, this is back to Africa now. So now I'm in Africa. Um, this is the first day. Is, uh, yeah, first day we flew in. We had lunch at the uh, – w- loosely called a hotel where we stayed. It was very nice. Um, it was a compound that was close to the church that a family ran. There was rooms, like probably 12 rooms. You sleep under a mosquito net, a malaria net, they call it. No air conditioning in the room, but um, actually Uganda is not hot. They're so close to the equator that nothing really changes year-round. They don't have seasons. They have like a wet season and a dry season is really their only seasons. The temperature is about 75 degrees, 360 days a year. Um, the, The sun sets and rises 365 day, uh, days a year at the same exact time. It doesn't vary like it does in other places. And so you're right there on the equator. And I was really worried about the heat, and it was humid. But it was a, it's actually um, in Uganda. The weather is really, really nice. It's almost San Diego weather. Um, so from like noon to about 4 o'clock, it gets really hot and feels really hot and humid. But in the mornings, it's cool. And we were there in the rainy season. So when that rain and that cool air, it was beautiful. And uh, if I was sleeping in in the morning, once that rain started, oh, I would sleep so good because the cool breezes would come through the windows and the rain would put you to sleep. But um, so there we are. That's Pastor Isaac. That's the one I asked what Grady was in. I'm sorry, Pastor Andrew on my left. That's the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel in Tebe, Isaac. We got to know him a lot. Pastor Gerald met um, Pastor Isaac at a pastor's conference in South Sudan Um, with far-reaching ministries, and they happened to sit next to each other, and that's how they became friends. And Pastor Isaac, it's funny because he calls dad, dad. So it was like, it was pretty cool. And he's become a a son to Pastor, or yeah, a son to Pastor Gerald. This was my first Sunday morning. You can't really see it well, of course, but it was a beautiful rainbow um, in the purple skies there above the hotel. This is that sign that um, is in the video of all the different ministries and facets of Calvary Chapel. That's again, just a pretty typical look at Uh, what the streets look like in a lot of the places. This was on our walk down to the water. This is Pastor Gerald and Isaac solving all the problems of the world. And then there's the tree, the one we own but we don't own the ground. And there's the Bible College. So again, these are videos. You've seen this in the video, but this is the Bible College. uh, I think that's the dorm facility there, the retaining wall, where the lake has now pushed up to the retaining wall, but it used to be way back. Again, just another picture moved back, Pastor Isaac, and then the elder Patrick is there on the left with the mask on. Uh, that is, I'm not sure, the kitchen facility, I think, maybe. And there we are, again, trying to figure this stuff out. They've been moving all this stuff. That guy that was in the video um, with his shirt off, the buff-looking guy, he, they've, with a, they've been moving all day, and, and they, they're living out there, and so there's no electricity, so they have this little cook thing. So they, they, when the sun comes up, they go to work, and about an hour before the sun goes down, they have to go cook and get ready for the sun to go down out there. And this is a road leading into it because of the rains. It's in the heavy rains. It's, it's, it's pretty messed up. But the tractors were able to bring this red clay that I was telling you about. They have a name for it, and it's a special kind of mud that, again, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a godsend, really, to be able to sustain life in this part of the world. But So that, there it is there. They've piled it up, and then these guys were taking shovels, and wheelbarrows um, and wheelbarrowing it one at a time in this massive area that needs to be filled in with dirt. So when the Americans got there, we're like, can't do that by hand. Like, we don't have the concept of doing it by hand. They're out there doing it by hand. Like, that's how you do it, you know? We're like, no, that's not going to work. We're going to buy tractors and going to bring this in. This is, again, he's the pastor in the bush. You guys saw him in the video. So on, this, on the on the Bible college, which is nice, is down by the water, there's been a lot of flooding. But up higher, they they own that property as well up to the tree. There's a tree behind me. There is a church that's there. Um, there's a parsonage that's there. The pastor that's currently living in the parsonage he won't get out. He's not the pastor of the church anymore. But again, the way that things work in in Africa is different, and so they have to negotiate with him. They offered him he wanted twenty thousand American dollars to get out, and so they offered him ten and or eight or something. And now they're negotiating and 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 they have to eventually pay him. To get out of their house, um, and and then this guy can move into the house. He's pastoring the church there now, um, like on the thing. But we have it, we have land up higher that is, it'll, the lake will never reach there. It's still close enough to everything that we can. Where the Bible College eventually, you know, when it looks like Malachi It was that resort place I showed you, eventually it can look like that as we build and as we grow. But we'll we'll begin to build up a little bit higher, and we'll we'll probably eventually get rid of the buildings that are closer to the water. And who knows what's going to happen, how much receding they're going to be, if the lake levels will go back to where they used to be, or if um, the high waters will continue. This is, this is again, stuff that was in the video um, coming back. This is the, the the building, the medical facility right next door to Calvary Chapel in Tebby. Jeremy Camp in 2007 built this, and he did a big concert in Kampala, a uh, free concert, and then he built that medical facility that Calvary Chapel runs. They can reach their community. They can do medicine, people that can't afford to go to hospitals and travel. And again, they've, they've delivered two babies in their, in their medical facility now. And so this is the banana vendors that Pastor Isaac allows to use the space in front of the church. Bananas is a staple in, um, in Uganda as far as food goes. The food, Lydia asked me how the food was. The food was amazing. You know, um, when Gerald is in um, Blandtire, Malawi, um, it, it's a lot poorer and it's a lot more remote. And they eat a staple food there that's called sema, which is like a like a um, cornmeal kind of meal that they they eat three times a day. It has no protein in it, and it's a staple in their diet. And so when I'm going on this trip, originally I'm thinking like, oh man, I'm gonna eat sema three times a day. I'm not gonna not at all. This I mean anything you want that that you want to get there. I got ribs. I ate pizza. I ate and then the breakfasts were great. Um, omelets and bacon and ham in my omelet and all the fresh fruit that you can eat. And it's always a problem because I eat too much fruit and I get sick every time because the mangoes and the watermelon and the uh, pineapple is so good. So I, I, did, I did get a little sick. It was the day that I was teaching. I was fine. And Pastor Isaac asked me on day two. He said, how's your stomach? And I said, I'm fine. He said, when people come, when Americans come, usually they get a little sick at least once. And how, how are you feeling? I thought oh, I've been feeling fine. And then on Wednesday, I woke up, and I was just sick. I was, And I never got, like, totally, totally sick. It was kind of mild, but it was enough that I set out that morning. They went over to the island that morning, Pastor Gerald and Isaac, and I said, I'm going to sit this one out, get ready for my message tonight. And off and on throughout the day, it was like I went back and forth from, like, I'm going to throw up to, no, I'm feeling fine. I'm going to throw up, I'm feeling fine. And it was probably the mangoes I ate the day before, but these are just right next to the church. I don't know, some birds, some ugly looking weird big birds. This is a plaque that's on the thing. It says, Calvary Chapel and Tevi, Calvary Chapel Island Missions, Hope for the Restoration Initiative, Community Medical Clinic, um, was laid by the principal donor to this project, Mr. Jeremy Camp, Speaking Louder Ministries. So there's a little plaque that with Jeremy Camp's name on it. Um, and you yeah, have a soccer team. This was at Malachi. This was one of the hotel rooms that you could rent for a honeymoon, you would be looking for a nice honeymoon place, Malachi in Uganda. Um, so it, they were nice. This is the entryway to Malachi. We took that picture because those grass roofs, um, that's what we want to build at the Bible College. We like the way they look. They're very practical. They keep everything cooler. They repel the water. Um, they're a little more expensive than the tin roofs that they're using on a lot of the buildings, but they just look cool, and, and so Pastor Gerald wants to build with that. This is us that day. We were buying the soccer team took us like two and a half hours in this shop in, in downtown Kampala. Yeah, Pastor Drill had enough uniform shopping, so he was sitting it out. And Pastor Isaac and I were wheeling and dealing with this lady about these uniforms. And those are part of the uniforms we picked where the orange, the team uh, wanted orange and blue. So we bought them one set orange and one set blue. And then, I don't know, that's just a picture outside the shop somewhere in Kampala. This was the day we went to the, the Nile River, the headwaters of the Nile River. These were some kids. I taught them the "hang loose" sign, so they were dancing because they were making signs and they were do, they could do this, but they couldn't do "hang loose." And the one in the red shirt on the right, he was getting so mad at himself because he couldn't keep all of his fingers down, and so he was punching the ones he didn't want down. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, I, I, we called ahead to the place we were staying, the hotel. They had a little thing there where we could eat from time to time. And so, um. It was like Wednesday, or Tuesday, I don't know what it was, Wednesday night, and I was hungry. I had, the day I was sick, and I had taught that now. I was starting to feel better. And so I said, do you guys have a cheeseburger? And they're like, yeah, we have a cheeseburger. And so I was like, okay, I want a cheeseburger and fries. So, I, so we're driving in Kampala, and we, we called ahead to order the food. So I get home, and I literally got cheese and a bun and some onions. <laughs> I got a cheeseburger. No burger. They probably thought it was crazy. So when I get back, I look at the menu, and it's actually on the menu. It's a cheese and tomato burger. But I, and I made sure I told them I hate tomatoes, so don't put any tomatoes on it. I just want the cheese and the burger. So I get there, and it was just literally cheese smashed between two sandwiches. I took a bite, and I said, I'm going to bed, man. I'm not getting a cheeseburger today. It took me till the last day to find out they do pizza really well there. The pizza was really good. So like Wednesday night and then Thursday for lunch, I eat pizza. These are pictures of me uh, presenting to the soccer Football club, the the gifts that we bought them, the balls and things. Yep. That's the soccer team. You can't see him. I'm bummed. But back one. Can we back one? Up in the top. He's got glasses on. That's the young man I was telling you about. Um, He was the first one to come up. He was the one that raised two hands. Um, Really, really neat kid. God really touched his heart. He's 21 years old. He's the captain of the team. He's their star. And um, he called me aside after and asked me to pray for him. And he shared with me, he said that, you know, he said, everybody around here discourages me because my dream in life is to become a professional footballer. And people are saying, you can't, you're a local kid, you'll never make it. And, and he said, I, I want to prove them with God that I can, you know, that I can do this, that I can become a footballer. And so, um, you know, God gave me a word for him. I was able to encourage him. And um, I told him, I said, God can bless your desire to become a professional footballer. I said, but God will not bless it if it becomes your idol. And I said, the hard part in life is that we want, you know, the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And sometimes we take that to mean, oh, we can win this championship. We can win this game. We can do this thing. Well, there's Christians on both sides of the ball that are claiming the same verse. Does that mean they both get to win the championship? Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, it's true. But I told him and I explained to him that if, if, you, if you don't keep God before soccer, what if God wants you to be a pastor? I told him, what if God wants you to be a, so, a pastor and not, not a footballer, not a professional? Because Uganda has a national team and he can try out for it. And, and I said, but if, what if God wants you to be a pastor? Are you okay with that? He's like, yeah. And I said, so yeah, God can bless it unless it becomes your idol. And if you're trying to use God to become a professional football player, God won't bless that. And he said, I understand. I understand. So I thought it was cool. I think God again used me to kinda of encourage that young man. I want to be praying for him and encouraging him. And when I do get a chance to talk to Isaac on WhatsApp, we're able to talk pretty freely. I'm going to encourage Isaac to uh Pastor Isaac to, to keep pouring into that guy. So that was this that was the club junior senior. And that's the car we ended up buying him. Yeah, it's a it's a Toyota Land Cruiser. Um so that's it, it was owned by a uh, an NGO, and so it was he had had it for a while. It was a big scratch in the back there with some wear and tear. The seats were pretty um, weathered, but everything else was functional, worked well. There's about 80,000 miles on it, so they're going to need some new tires and they want to change out the low-profile tires and put some more off-road tires on there. But um, that was uh, 20. It was about 23, is what it ended up costing. So um, that's what they found and that's what we bought them. Yeah. All right. We, we are out of time, so uh, before we pray, though, I do want to ask to just really quickly, I want to share a scripture with you guys. Um, in First Chronicles, uh, if you've got a second, just give me two minutes. If you've got a minute, turn with me to First Chronicles in chapter 4. It's always fun. First, First Chronicles is like a difficult place to find, so it's in the Old Testament, before the Psalms, after Kings and Samuel. But in First Chronicles chapter 4, it's a, it's a chapter of genealogy. It's probably not a chapter that you would readily just read through. If you started to read, I encourage people that, that when you're reading through the Old Testament, when you run into something like this, it's totally okay to skip it. Like it, you can, you know, if it's just name, a whole chapter of just name after name after name, what happens unfortunately is people are like, they get bogged down and then they stop reading the Bible. Rather than stop reading through the Bible, I'd rather you skip these things and keep reading. So so that's why I say that it's okay to read. But this one, it would be a bummer if we skipped it because there's a nugget right in the middle of this genealogy tra- chapter that you might get lost. And what's really cool about this guy, Jabez, is that as God is just mentioning name after name, um, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, when he gets to this one name, he stops and he gives us three verses just on one guy. And I'd like to think for my own, as a Christ follower, that if God was telling my story, that, that, that my grandfather Jacques begot Alfred, my dad, and Alfred begot Chris, that when he got to Chris he might pause there and have something to say about my life as a Christ follower. That God might need to pause on your life and say something about you as he's mentioning your genealogy. And what he records about this guy Jabez is a prayer that Jabez gave. And in this prayer is just the absolute power... Wisdom of God that, that comes through this, this man's life. And in verse 9, after again eight verses of, And Coaz begat Anub and Joab and the families of Anel, the son of Ham, and Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, and Hila and Nara, and Nara bore Azuram, and... And now, verse 9, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the name of God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. So we have this prayer of Jabez. I'd like for us to read it together as a church. Verse number 10, beginning with the word, Oh. Can we do that? You guys have your Bibles open? Okay, let's do it. One, two, three. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So the first part of his prayer is five requests that he makes. You can mark them one, two, three, four, five as you go through there. The first one is he says, God, that you would bless me indeed. You know, it's important that you pray for yourself. Some people falsely in of false humility. Oh, I don't pray for myself. I'm just so humble. No, you're an idiot because nobody else is praying for you. If you're not good chance, right? Like, pray for yourself. It's okay to pray for yourself. It's okay to ask God to bless you. You should do that as a Christ follower. As a Christian, it's okay. you know. And, 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 it's, and, and, it, and, and so here he says, bless me. Lord, bless me. We want God's blessing over our lives. And so his first request is that God would just bless his life indeed. And then his second request is that God would enlarge his territory. Now for you and I, as we pray the same thing, God has enlarged our, our territory recently to include Uganda and Calvary Chapel and Tebbi. You know, if we're not moving forward as a Christ follower, we're, we're, we're going backwards. There's no such thing as standing still. If we're not taking ground, we're losing ground. And we have to have this hunger and this fire all the time that what we have is never enough. It's not enough just to have this and do this and be this and maintain this. We want to grow. We, we want to grow out of this building. We want to continue to reach loss lost because growth means that new people are getting reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we never have to be ashamed uh, embarrassed or hold our heads down that, that we want to grow, that we want to reach more people, that we want to be bigger. Now, if we want to be bigger for the sake of being bigger, that's a different issue. But if our hearts are true and we want to be bigger because we meet, we know that means bigger outreach and, and bigger impact and more people's lives are being changed, why would we not want to be bigger? Why would we not want to grow in the name of Jesus? And so he says, God, enlarge my territory. And, and so, again, our prayer needs to be in our is that, Um, something that I I cannot and I, I continue to preach and cannot stress enough that we have to be a people that has a heart for the lost. Do you have a heart for people that are not Christian? Do you have a heart for people that are not going to heaven to see them come to Jesus? We have to have that as a people. We have to have that as a church, a heart for the lost. And then secondly, or thirdly, he says that your hand would be with me. Now I could spend a whole hour preaching number three because he says, God, that you would, your presence would go with me. When God called Moses to bring the people of Israel out of the Sinai, they had been there and they had they'd led these two million rebellious people through the wilderness and they reached a kind of a stopping point in Sinai. And God showed up and he said, Moses, it's time now to move these people out of the Sinai. And Moses said, these people are crazy, God. He said, they murmur and they complain and you know what's going on. And he said, Lord, I'll do this impossible request. I'll do whatever you call me to do, but I'm not doing nothing unless you presence go with me. And God said, Moses, my presence will go with you. And Moses said, God, show me, you know, prove it. And then in Exodus 33, and I'm, I'm ad-libbing a little bit, but they have this conversation, and the heart of it is that Moses is adamant, and he says, God, I'll do anything for you, but I'm not going lest your presence go with me. And for all of us as Christ followers, the most important thing in your life is the presence of God in everything that you do and everywhere you go it's not the only thing or the most important thing. It surpasses all of that. There's not even words that I can use to describe the value of the presence of God in everything that we do. When I come up here to preach every Sunday, I say, Lord, don't let me walk on that stage if you're not coming with me. If you don't stand next to me, I don't want to go. Because if I go up by myself, I'm going to fall down. I don't want to go anywhere where your presence doesn't go. It's the presence of God as Christ followers through relationship that that is everything and that, that, that guides us, that leads us, that empowers us that makes us who we are, that makes us effective, that makes us, um, everything that, that that we do in Jesus is because of the presence of God in our ministries, in our lives. And Moses um, knew that and, and begged God that. And Jabez understood that, the depth of character in this guy, Jabez, that where it came from. And he said, God, that your hand would be with me in all of this. And then his fourth request is that you would keep me from evil. Now, again, as, as, as ministers of the gospel, as people have a heart for the lost and want to be used by God, you're never going to be used by God if there's if there's sin in your life that God can't use. What is it in your life that God can't use and God needs to get rid of? We have to deal with it. And Jabez understood that, and he said, "Lord, that I that I might not sin." What, is, what does the Psalm say? The Psalm says, "How might a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to Your word? Your word have I hid in my heart that I." that I might not sin against You. It's the Word of God being put into our hearts that is the value of helping us and keeping us from living sinful lives. And we're never going to be effective in the Gospel if we're living sinful lives. Not to say we don't sin. We all sin. I'm a sinner. I sin every day. I struggle in life. I struggle in areas. But, but, But unrepentant, consistent sin will destroy a ministry, will destroy your life. And and then he understood the last thing, and I got I'm, I'm way over. I understand that, and I appreciate your patience. But he says that I may not cause pain, and it says so. God granted him what he requested. Number five was that he wouldn't cause pain. This is so important to me as a as a pastor, because it really is my heart. And I understand that as a as a leader, um, as a pastor, that I have potential to cause pain. You know what? You know what? As we went to Uganda, one of the things that's just absolutely heartbreaking is that. Um, Just the the, the corruption and and, and really not talking about the corruption among um, the Ugandans. I'm talking about the corruption that the Americans have brought and the corruption and the devastation, those buildings, those school buildings that were being built. At one time, there was a ministry that was traveling the United States. And have you guys ever been somewhere where they have the cards with the African child's picture on it? And you can sponsor them for $30 a month. And and so this ministry was doing this and um, collecting $30,000 a month. And then sending Isaac four thousand dollars a month to, to run this school, and he needed ten thousand dollars a month. They were feeding two hundred and fifty kids on Saturday and schooling hundred and seventy five kids five days a week. And and then they were they were calling and they were um you know they would show up and they were yeah, yeah, yeah and abusing and it was just ugly. The guy was stealing money and was telling everybody he was going to things and it was causing pain. And, and, and you you have and we have that potential. There's, a, there's one of the biggest buildings in um, Kampala when we're there is being built. It looks like the Burj Khalifa. I mean, it's just a big, big high-rise building that's being built. It's a, it's a cult that is there in Entebbe, and it's a pastor who claims that he has healing powers, and, and it's just raping the people. And, and the gospel everywhere in the name of Jesus. You know, we read that scripture in Matthew last, right, last week, remember? Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. And it's going on all over the world where people are doing things in the name of Jesus and it has nothing to do with Jesus. And, and, and even maybe those that, um, like myself, who, who desire to, to honor Jesus and know Jesus and, and, and have integrity that you know, can fall. When the American pastor falls into some kind of sin and sexual sin, what happens to the church? It just causes pain. And Jabez understood that. And he said, Lord, as I do ministry, Keep me from evil and help me that my ministry would not someday cause pain. And that's a great prayer. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Hey, we love you guys so much. Um, I'm going to be out in the lobby here in a minute to uh, uh, talk with anybody. If you had any questions um, while uh, I was speaking tonight, just ask me as you come out today. Um, I'm going to be announcing in the coming weeks, months, we're going to try to do um, organized submissions trips here um, for our church. and. With COVID, things are still, um, travel is still very difficult. I had to do three COVID tests in like a four-day period. I don't know how, but up until this trip, I had avoided any COVID tests or anything being shoved up my nose or in my face. And in four days, I had to take three tests. They were all negative. Um, but travel is still kind of difficult. So, but we do have a heart to do some um, submissions trips and, and get people involved. And listen, I don't want anybody, if, if it's just not on your heart, don't feel bad about that. Like, you you do what God's put on your heart. Missions is not for everybody. It's okay. But if it is on your heart and there are some people in here that really have a heart to do some of this stuff, then we want to provide opportunities and we want to step out in faith. And again, it takes both. Not everybody can go. We can't take everybody in this room on a missions trip. So some have to stay and help pay for others to go. And some go and some stay, but together we share the rewards. Amen? Amen. Father God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord Jesus, so much for this day, God. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to travel the world and share the gospel. Lord, we pray this morning the prayer of Jabez, Lord God, that you would bless us, that you would enlarge our territory, Lord God, that, that Father, you would um, keep us from sin, that we would not cause pain. And, Lord, we thank you. And, Lord, we, we thank you for Pastor Isaac and the amazing work that's being done there. Lord, we thank you that they have survived some, some bad ministries that have come through and done some bad things, Lord, and, and yet they're continuing to preach the gospel. Lives are continuing to get saved. I thank you, Lord, for those seven young men who came to Jesus on Wednesday night and, and Lord, were sincere and meant it and confessed Jesus and, and confessed that they were now born again. I pray that they would continue to walk with you, that they would begin to grow in you and that Isaac would begin to disciple these young men and pour out in them. I pray that among these seven men, you would raise up the first CBI students as we opened the Bible College over there to raise up and train Ugandan pastors to go out and make a difference over that entire country and over that entire continent, Lord God. And so Father, we thank you. We pray for future opportunities for our church, God, to, to make a difference. And Lord, that we would be people that would go across the street and share the gospel, and that we would go around the world and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, and we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys today. We're not going to have time for last song today, so if you guys would grab your children for me, we would appreciate